What's up? This is your boy Elton Anderson, aka Detroit Chopra, and we are back with another episode. This time we're talking about love, but from a different perspective. Now, I know if you're listening to this episode, you probably heard of the five love languages uh, words of affirmation, physical touch, giving gifts, and da 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 da. And it's something that has been coming up in my relationships over the last decade. Um, people that I've dated have been like, oh, take this quiz so we can chit chat about it. Take this quiz so I can know how to love you and get to know you better. And recently I've been in a relationship for the last year and some change. And my partner has been trying to get me to take the quiz. And I'm like, I don't vibe with it. I don't really, I'm not really feeling it. You know, I, I feel like the love languages represent a lack of something, if that makes sense. I feel like they represent a lack of what the person did not have growing up. And so this has just been my theory. You know, it's not gospel. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's not uh, any, I have no medical or doctoral degrees or any, any training in therapy, but it's just something that, you know, I personally have been, you know, feeling a way about. So anyway, I posted this on my Instagram and I've also been having conversations with other people that I consider friends. And most recently I've had a conversation with somebody who I consider an expert in all of these things. And her name is Victoria Cooper. You may have seen her before on Detroit Chopra's Instagram page. So we're going to have a conversation about this. We're going to talk about love and what the language of love means for each and every one of us. And more importantly, kind of crack down on exactly what the love languages represent. Are they actually trauma or are they something else? So without further ado, Victoria, what's up, boo? Hey, how are you? You know what? I'm good. I'm good. I stay good. I'm happy. Feeling great. <laughs> how you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling all of the love. <laughs> yeah. All of the love since we're talking about love today. Yes. And we're talking about love. So, yeah. So, we're t- <laughs> so we're talking about love and, um, so I want to hear your thoughts because I think people are in the comment section on this post just going off. And I really want to get your thoughts on it because I really want to be educated on it. Like this isn't me trying to defend a, a, a position more so than gain some more understanding. And hopefully through my understanding, we help other people understand. Yeah. And I think that this is such a cool topic to talk about because, I mean, it's from the, the author of the five love languages is Gary Chaplin. Chaplin, Chaplin, Chaplin. Doctor. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's a beautiful conversation to have. And I think that it's great to take on different perspectives. What I wanted to do on my end is to have a conversation with you about it and hear your perspective. Also share mine from a clinical lens, but then also really do the book justice by trying to understand what he was trying to say since Gary's not here with us to talk about it, right? So I'm going to do my best to have your perspective or understand your perspective, share mine, and then share mine to the best of my ability or share his to the best of my ability. So um, I I think we're due for a good combo. I like that. And I'm going to keep it real. I have not read the book. I ain't read the book. Mm -hmm. I ain't touched the book. I just took the quiz a couple of times. And I think 
just to give you guys a better understanding of where I'm coming from. So I was in a relationship, uh, my previous relationship before this one, it was a five-year relationship. And uh, the guy I was dating, I feel like it was codependent. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I don't try to analyze anybody. I don't try to like, you know, again, I'm not nobody's psychiatrist. But what I realized when we were dating is that he needed constant affirmation. He needed constant quality time. And so like, it would be to the point where there would be instances where he would be clingy. It was like a uh-huh. clinginess to, to him. And I'm like, bro, I just need some space. Like, I, I don't need you all up under me. And he, t- he made us take the love languages test and he was like, you know, he justified it like, well, you know, my love language is quality time and physical touch. So I need these things. And I was like, yeah, you need them, but it's draining me at the same time. I felt drained being around him a lot. Yeah. So and let's like look at it differently. Yeah. And like, let's look at other examples and other people's experiences. And that's why I loved um, reading the comment section with the post that you did earlier, Mm -hmm. um, because it it gives some really good perspective. But one of the things about, so when he, when Gary wrote the five love languages, it initially was for couples. And then he kind of expanded it out to different for teens, for singles. um, So for a variety of different like categories, but from what I got out of the book, which is different from what your old partner is expressing is the five love languages is not really about us. There's, there's a portion of it that is about us, but what he tries to express is like how you can learn to love and speak your partner's language. Mm. So what should have happened is your partner at the time should have been more inquisitive about your language and how to love you instead of using that as ammo on how you need to love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. Mm -hmm. So there were some people that were talking about forms of attachment in the comment section. So there's definitely some sort of attachment or trauma, which is why you came to that conclusion um, that's associated with why he chose to take advantage of the love language concept and maybe I'm wrong because I'm not him but um yeah like it's more so teaching you how to learn how to love that person speak their language yeah and I don't want to make this and I and I'm I'm being very cautious because I don't want to make this like a uh a bash on him at all you know yes I don't want to bash on him at all but just moving forward if we put him to the side I think that's a very good point. It, it shows you, because a lot of people tend to say, oh, my love language is this. And then they tell their mm-hmm. partners, this is how you have to love me. And they'll mm-hmm. use it as a crutch. Even in the comments, a lot of people were saying, my love language is words of affirmation because my parents didn't tell me that they loved me growing up. My, my love language is quality time because my mama was always working. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, this topic and my view on this topic 
has really opened up a lot of people. Like, like them comments are literally popping and people are kind of saying, wow, that's interesting. I never thought about it like that. So why do you think so many people are having that realization? Why do you think so many people have never thought about it like that? Is it from a space of just, you know, kind of like uh, selfishness or they don't understand what the, <laughs> the purpose of the love language is? Like, what do you think that is? Wrong? Yeah. And even for me, like, I didn't look at it from that perspective until you and I were having the conversation, which led up to this podcast. And you were like, you're a therapist and you never thought of it like that. I'm like, <laughs> no, I haven't, you know? And for me, like, I haven't read, I bought the love language book about 10 years ago. I was telling, everybody was telling Elton as we were talking about it, um, like, we were talking about it and then I ended up looking in my room and it was right there amongst my books. So I grabbed it, but I had bought it like 10 years ago and it was really fun to kind of go over it and refresh it. But I think, you know, I've even fallen for this where, you know, this guy wrote this book and he has his theories and his reasonings. And then because the, the title and the types of languages are so um, easy to understand and grasp. People form their own meanings and understandings and translations of it. So I think a lot of people are talking about the five love languages, but within their own context and not necessarily his context. So I think people have taken over with the idea of five love languages is learning about my love languages and how to love me. And then I'm going to tell my partner how to love me instead of so much like, let me understand where, because at the end of the day, his theory is just a theory. So your theory is fair game too, just as much as his, I know he's been a, he's been a, I think marriage therapist for 30 years, but like your feelings and insight being a human being and your, your relations with people, you know, are valid and, and should be taken into consideration as well. But what he says in the book, just to kind of clarify is, he, he puts everything back to childhood and like how you were raised as your, with your parents. And so he says that some people receive all of those five love languages in a healthy way. And so like they learn what their primary language is, just like if you're in a household that's primarily English or Spanish or whatever, like mm -hmm. whatever you're used to, you'll identify that based upon the way that you were raised and the way that your parents chose to love you. And that it, it influences those love languages. But if you grew up in a dysfunctional household, he says that you're longing for something, a certain type of love, but you don't really know what it is because you've never really experienced it. So you, you kind of go on this quest. That's the lack. It's the lack. Yeah. So in this, in a sense, your theory falls in line with his he just doesn't go into depth about explaining it. He goes into depth about just talking about what the love languages are. Got it. Yeah. But and there's a the, big parental component. Oh, big time. Like we're all our walking, talking inner child. Like we're all operating mm -hmm. from where we are. And um, that's so interesting because that's exactly what I'm seeing in the comments. Because I have some friends in the comments that I know grew up in like, really great households and I see like the love from their parents and their and their parents are are just instrumental in their lives in the way that they they seek out partners and those are the ones that are in in the messages saying oh well you know my father was always around they were at every basketball game every uh 
every track meet, every every luncheon or whatever. And so that's how they want to mirror their relationships. They say, my, my parents were always there with quality time and words of affirmation. So that's yeah. all I know how to love. And that's from a healthy perspective. That that's You just want to mirror what you got growing up. And that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I didn't even look at it from that perspective. I just looked at it from mm-hmm. my experience with lack. And I'm like, oh, so I'm supposed to give you what you're, what you're missing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's love. That's codependency. Am, am, am mm-hmm. Right? You know, is that the right proper term of codependency? Because I'm like, you're depending on me for validation or you're depending on me for this thing that you're missing and it's gonna wear me out that thing wore me out and so like for me I mean every therapist and behaviorist are different but overall the goal is to like transfer a skill the the goal is to in therapy or whatever is to give you the tools that you need so that you can maintain it yourself and I think when we think about like how we're raised and how our parents have have brought us up, it's the same concept. They are supposed to give you certain tools and things that you need so that you can maintain it yourself. And so when we start to um, form this codependencies and leaning on people and, and having really high expectations for them to love us in a way that brings us joy and happiness, that means we might be still stuck in that childhood phaser mentality with the dependency for our parents to love and raise us the way that we're supposed to, when in reality, you're now in a certain phase where those are things that you have to start focusing on and working on yourself and doing that inner work on your own. What's your love language? (laughs) My love language is quality time. Quality time. Mm And so like in the same sense, just to be a little bit transparent, you know, we're first, I'm a first generation American. And so anybody who had parents who migrated with their children here, it was often working, right? So you didn't really spend a lot of time with your your parents because they were working. But in the same sense, I have a family who all we do is like have parties and do things together. So in my adult life, especially now that we're more established and settled, like we're always together and doing things. Growing up, there was people around, but as far as like my mom, she was, she was working two, three jobs, just like a lot of, you know, immigrants that came to this country. So then for somebody like me, can we say like, I think it's fair to say my love language was quality time is probably because of both. There was some lack there. And so like, there's something there that maybe feels good for me. But then in the same sense, I love spending time with people because my family, that's all we do is we have parties and do things together. Yeah, no, I, I can tell, but I, I can tell yours is quality time because let me tell you why Victoria is a G. Uh, I was in the States. <laughs> I'm in Bali now. I'm back in Bali, but I was in the States for about four months and me and Victoria had never met. And she was like, she was planning to come to LA where I was at at the time this was uh this was like early march like mid-march it was like mm-hmm. 10th ish early march like and uh she pushed her trip up an entire week just to meet me just to go out and hang i'm gonna say that's what you did it for but i think that's i mean that's exactly that's, what i did it for yeah and so she she really 
flew all the way out there a week early just to hang with me. And moment of transparency, I cried. <laughs> I, I caught her crying because it showed me that she truly loved me. And we're both Liberian. Um, if you don't know, you know, L-I-B, shout out. Yena, 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 yena. And, <laughs> and I, I remember it was just something as simple as, oh, Elton, I, I, if I would have known, I would, if I'd have thought about it, I would have made you some rice bread. And rice bread is like a Liberian, uh, it's a Liberian dessert. It's, it's, it's kind of like banana bread, but. Yeah, it's rice. very much like bread. It's very much like, like banana bread, but it's it's cute. It, had, it involves bananas or sometimes plantains. But anyway, she just says something simple as, "Oh yeah, I would have. I should have made you some some rice bread." And the the meat it didn't hit me until like I think I was headed to the airport, and I was in the Uber, and she had texted me just like an inside joke because we become friends from <laughs> our first meeting Instagram. Look, we became like family and I was in the back of the car and I was healing from another friendship that I had lost. And I realized as she texted me, I said, shit, Victoria loves me. She flew in a whole week earlier. That's the quality time. And then she talked about making me some, some rice bread and that's the act of service and I, or gifts or whatever. And I was like, yo, this girl really loves me. And that shit brought me to tears. Like I was, I sent her the picture <laughs> and everything. And I was like, I was like, Victoria, you love me. She was like, yeah, I do. I was and, like, I'll cut it out. <laughs> it's like, I'm weeping. I was like, stop. <laughs> I was really, I had, I, it is, it was, it was receipts of me crying. And what I realized that I was overcame I, I was overcome with this idea of a friendship, family, sisterly love that I had lost in another relationship. So I had an emptiness. I actually had an emptiness. I actually had a trauma um, when it came to love. And Victoria, just by her simple act of... <laughs> offering to make rice bread and, you know, coming to visit me and meet me in person, that was the ultimate act of love. So, you know, it does make me think it, it wasn't something that I required. It wasn't something like she only way I know she loved me if she come and fly out and see me and make me rice bread. But it showed me in a sense that those things are my love language, you know, quality time yeah. is my love language. And, um, making me some rice bread is my love language. So and in it's a sense, like, I've realized that. Yeah. And it's so dope too, when you can really tap into your love language and how you can really show that they talk about that in the book too. There's, you know, what you you're good at receiving and what you're good at giving. But if you can really tap into those things and find ways to really have it be impactful on people. And I think that's what the, it's all about that's when we really make change. And that's when we really feel love. Like um, when, when I saw Elton, we had a dinner, we all went out to dinner mm -hmm. and we brought like a group of people together. And it was dope. one of my other friends was like, Victoria, only you who is not even from California could bring people together 
for a dinner when really like none of us were doing this at all, like at all during this time. Right. And like people that didn't even know each other, you know? And so like, I use my love language of quality time to really bring out a good vibe and to, to connect with people. Yeah, that energy was so good. Like it was just a mishmash because you was other people you hadn't met before. The other girl, yep, never even met her before. And you, it was people it I was, made. I made friends with on Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, it was it was ran. It was it was like seven of us, and it was people that Victoria had just met on Club Clubhouse or the internet. And I invited one of my buddies, and we just had. It was so good. Like the food was good. The energy was good. And it was just a lot of love. And I even left mm-hmm. there with a new friend uh, that you introduced me to. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I I do get to see the love languages in a sense being displayed, even not necessarily just always in romantic relationships, but familial relationships. Uh Friendship, I mean, you know, friendship relationships. And even more importantly, I think it goes back to the relationship with yourself. You know, I'm big proponent oh God, of yeah. self-love, right? And now that I've figured out how to love myself, I the relationship that I am in now is, and I tell, I tell my partner now, I tell him like. I don't need you, but I want you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need mm-hmm. you to feel any, anything that I'm missing. You are in more ways a reflection of the love that I have for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, I think that's a good way to navigate romantic relationships. Like you should love yourself enough that anything that is, a, 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 a departure from the love you have for yourself is a red flag. You know what I'm Let's saying? Let's go like, deeper with that. Okay, go ahead. Let's go deeper with that just so people can get the concept because I don't want anybody to m- take that into like from a narcissistic type perspective because that's not where you're going with it oh. and that's not your intention. But yeah. I think what you're trying to say to offer more context is that when you love yourself so much, you have nothing holding you back from freely and openly loving other people because you have peace and freedom within yourself and anything that could be deemed traumatic or holding you back or limitations. When you free yourself of that, then that's where the abundance of love comes in. And then you can learn to love and appreciate other people. Oh yeah, big time! Like unconditional, yeah. Yeah, it it, it, it and I it, I hope nobody saw that as a any narcissism in there because what what I'm saying is that when you have when you have that self love and when you have that because I had to fight for the self love. Let's if we're gonna talk, we are gonna talk. I had. To you know why fight. I said that too? Okay. It may it's not necessarily you, but because you're you're talking about self love and there's other people that need to understand that for their own healing, sometimes our words can be interpreted as other things. So that's why I wanted to tag team and like get your back and offer that clarity because some people may not be onto that level of understanding that yet, you know? So I just wanted to add that in there for that. 
No, I love that. I love that therapy. I love that therapy talk. That's why I got you on here. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I just realized, so I, I have been on this huge journey of self-love to even the point where I can have this conversation or even start this platform with Detroit Chopra. Mm-hmm. And I went through so much, so many periods of not loving myself, you know, growing up as a gay black man and having a ton of insecurities. I didn't love myself physically. I didn't love myself emotionally. I didn't love myself spiritually in any capacity. And now that I have found that love for myself and that appreciation, not just for, and that's the thing about self-love too. Self-love isn't, isn't loving the outward or loving um, the things that are great about you. Self-love is looking at the shadows. Self-love is looking at the things that you were insecure about. Self-love is looking at the things that you have hated about yourself. And, and in a sense, loving those things even more. So you can love the things that you were trying to hide. And when you love the things that you were trying to hide, then you can be able to radiate a light and a love outside of yourself. Because if you're not hiding anything, you don't have anything to reject. If you don't have anything to reject, you don't judge other people. I don't judge. I don't judge myself. And so therefore, Mm -hmm. if I don't judge myself, I'm not judging anybody else. And so it creates this energy of a safe space because mm-hmm. people talk to me, they know they're not about to get judged. I, I was just telling a buddy today because he was telling me uh, a secret. And then after he said it, he was like, you know, don't, you know, kind of don't mention that to anybody. I was like, bro, I know every secret in Bali. Like people come to me <laughs> and tell me <laughs> so many things because they know for, for some reason that I don't judge them. And I, I had to get to that place with myself in order to give off that type of energy. So um, yeah, self-love is a, is a, is a journey, but when you get to that point of self-love, then you realize you don't, you don't need anything from anybody else. You don't need anybody to tell you an affirmation. They're great. Don't get me wrong. You know, when you, when you know, you look cute and somebody tell you look cute, it feels good to hear it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to play that game, but you know what I'm saying? You don't need it. You don't, you don't need it. You appreciate it. Just like mm. I didn't need you to fly all the way to LA and, and do all that. But it hit me so much because you displayed so much love. It just was overwhelming. Like it just, it just overwhelmed me and it healed a part of me that I actually did, didn't know I needed heal, healing from. Yeah, I think there's levels to it though, Elton. Like, I feel like there's parts, again, when we transfer that skill and there's things that we have to be responsible for as adults and to work on healing ourselves and growing and maturing in whatever way we need, like that's crucial. And I think too, we live in a society, in a world where we do need people, Um, but it's just choosing who to be around and what to receive. And I think that it's unfortunate because especially when it comes to dating and I'll refer back to something he talks about in the book is there's two phases, right? So you have, I forget what he calls it the, in the first phase, but I'll call it the honeymoon phase, which is what we usually say. There's a honeymoon phase. Usually it's roughly around two years, maybe even less these days where it's like Google Gaga, the person is perfect. Right. And then in the second phase, 
you have like, are you willing to put in the work to really deliver the love that you're supposed to deliver to your partner? And so I think that it's going to be important when we live in us, when we live in this world that we have to bring back collectivism, right? Where it's okay to be connected and like need certain affirmations and support and love so that we can grow and be better people and continue to evolve that type of love. It's just that it's unfortunate that sometimes people don't have the right intentions when it comes to delivering love and how they should be loving other people because they have issues within themselves that they haven't healed and worked on yet. Hmm. What are these issues looking like? Like what, as a therapist, what kind of issues, I, I, I guess you're not really like a love coach relationship therapist, but are you talking to people mainly about the relationship with themselves or do people come to you with romantic relationship help and advice or how does that work? All of, all of the above. I have clients that come in for a variety of different things. Um, but oftentimes it's relationships. Everything is connected to relationships, whether it's within the workplace, whether it's within like our marriages with our children, like literally everything we do is based upon relationships and based upon how we were raised and how we, what we choose to do, what we do with how we're raised, it influences how we relate to people. You know, Mm -hmm. you can either embrace the way that you were raised and your upbringing, or you can reject it. And either of those things could be good or bad and could be a reflection of how you treat other people in your relationship. I was going to say, since we're talking about how people were raised and how this is such a big thing, there's been this this, um, concept that I've just heard about recently in the last year, and it's called reparenting yourself. Okay. And... I think that concept is so interesting because it is forcing a lot of us in our 30s and even our 40s and 50s to go back to that 9, 10, 11 year old child that had the wound, that had the trauma and Mm -hmm. healing them. And Mm -hmm. I had to do that for myself. I had to go back to the insecure black gay 11 year old with the bad acne. (laughs) And I had to go back and meet him and love him and I remember it was so crazy because I was like yo I had never went back to that part of myself and it is so healing yeah and so I was kind of wondering like could you talk about reparenting yourself like what your experience with that is and like some tips that maybe people could use to reparent themselves yeah so I'm not familiar with the concept of reparenting but if you Go, if you guys who are listening, go to the live that Elton and I did many months ago um, when we talked about narcissism. I mentioned the concept of the Russian nesting doll, Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful concept that I myself got from somebody else. um, And it makes a lot of sense. And I've, I've actually processed with my clients through it. I've done it with myself. So if you're not familiar with a Russian nesting doll, it is those dolls that are big and when you open it they have more dolls in it that get smaller and smaller and smaller so the the concept with the russian nesting doll is that sometimes in our lives um if we look at our adult lives now where we are now are all of our dolls in place in the big doll sometimes 
if there's certain things that are deemed, and this is my interpretation of all of it. Now I'm adding the clinical stuff with the, the nesting doll concept, but um, if there are parts in your life that maybe were deemed um, traumatic or impactful, sometimes there's certain sizes and parts of those dolls that are left out that are not part of the big doll. Mm. So the goal is you want to make sure that all of your, those pieces of the dolls or those pieces of you are all in one place. And so the best way to connect with that, or I guess reparent that is to really have moments where you connect with those moments and that part of your inner child or teenage life, or even your young adult life or whatever part of that doll that's left out and really connect and visualize how to bring it back and how to save it. So if you went through a time where you were like neglected as a child and it significantly affected you, even if you don't even realize it affected you till now, have time, spend a significant amount of time, like a candle, sit in the dark or be comfortable somewhere, sit in the light, whatever you want to do, but be in a very relaxed place and just meditate and visualize yourself in that era right? The the time where you were neglected and imagine the room, the smells, the people around you, the environment, and then visualize your present self going and rescuing that part of you. Literally going into the house, picking picking that part of you up, taking it for a ride. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? How are you going to pour into that part of yourself that needed that so much and they didn't get it before. And then, so after you visualize those things and you process it, what you then want to do is make it a reality by doing some of those things in real life to fulfill that part of that thing that was neglected and left behind. That's a lot of work, yo. This is, this healing journey is never ending, but I think that's so beautiful what you said, because Mm -hmm. It it, 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 it it causes you more than anything to recognize it because a lot of people don't recognize yeah. what it is. And they, they oftentimes, we oftentimes look at some, look at ourselves as the victim of somebody else. Like, Oh, this person did this to me mm-hmm. or this person did that to me. But in a sense, you're attracting the same lessons that you need to learn. And so until you, heal, yes. until you heal that lesson, until you, until you heal that part of you, you're going to keep learning it. So you're going to keep dating the same freaking person over and over again, because you mm-hmm. need to learn that lesson. You're going to keep, keep attracting narcissists because you need to heal that part of yourself. You need to set that boundary. You need to stop being a codependent. So no, I'm, I'm learning that, but I think that's such a beautiful way to look at it. Now, I want to say this too, because that's another thing I wrote in the post is I talked about Okay, so if you don't use love languages, then what? And my solution, and I want to see what your solution is, or not a solution, but, uh, you know, perspective. But Mm -hmm. my perspective on it is, okay, if I don't really rock with the love languages per se, what I do in my relationship now is I look at what the other person values. And... I, the example I gave in the post is that my, um, my current, my current boo thing, he loves the, I think the one of the the greatest things I love about him is his mind. And he loves the exchange of knowledge. 
And so mm-hmm. in our conversations, we talk all the time. We're always like learning something from each other. We're always like giving knowledge or exchanging knowledge. And I educate him about the spiritual stuff and meditation and, and, and raising your vibrations. And he educates me about his nerdy stuff because he's an engineer and it's cool. And we talk about so many things. And I think that we leave every conversation learning something new and Mm -hmm. that's a value. And that's not necessarily, but that, that incorporates quality time because we're spending time talking and it, it includes, uh, acts of service because we're educating each other. Um, So it kind of weaves those things in, but it's still based on the other person's values. And which is, which is an abundance, which is like, I have a plethora of knowledge to give in this particular sect of, (laughs) of the world. So I'm going to keep sharing it with, you know, in a perspective. But I think that's what it's about. And like love is all about is being fluid and understanding your partner and also understanding your needs and your family's needs and so forth. So with the way that this book is written, I think that there's a lot of fluidity with it. And so what you describe falls under the categories of the five love languages. It's just because when he describes each love language, he has like different things in there. So with quality time, he's like, with quality time, you got to be mindful of how you're attentive. These are the different ways to be attentive. These are the different ways to talk to somebody. So like he throws all those things in there to cover all those different aspects. And I think that we have to be mindful of just because this guy wrote this book and a lot of people resonate with it. There's a high probability that somebody else might have a different theory or idea. When I went to school Um, there were so many theories and styles that we learned about because those are the things that worked for a certain group of people, right? So um, I think it's going to be important for us not to be so rigid and be stuck on like, these are the five love languages that this guy said and like go off of just the title itself, but have some understanding of how it flows and it's fluid and, you know, it can be tailored to our needs and our partner's needs. Yeah, because I've seen people misuse it. I've seen, I've seen it misused so many times. It's like, well, he know my my love language is receiving gifts. So if I don't see a Birkin bag under that Christmas tree, then <laughs> it's over. You know what I'm saying? Like people, people misuse it. But I love the way you put it in the beginning of this conversation. It's like, it's more so about how do you love the other person? Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. How do you, it's, it's not about, it's not about self. And when you make it about self and you're just exposing the wounds, you're exposing, <laughs> you're exposing your lack. And I think that and, if you switch it around, yeah. you can. And when we use like the superficial for like Birkin bags and stuff like that, that goes into what he said. If you grew up in a dysfunctional household and dysfunctional can mean anything. You could be in a dysfunctional household that has a ton of money. Like it doesn't mean that you're, you don't have money or what, whatever it is. But if you grew up in a dysfunctional household or a dysfunctional mentality, then that transfers over to how like you're trying to figure out what love is. And that's where we get into the superficial aspect of it, where people are like a Birkin bag. I, I need a Birkin bag. Yeah, and, But and in the same sense, it, but no, to your point, the dysfunction 
it can kind of switch around because think about it like this. Think about like if your father was a workaholic or had to work so much and he couldn't mm-hmm. give you like that quality time, but he always bought you like a new car, always bought you uh, ski trips in the wintertime and, and boat trips in the summertime, then that's how he showed you love. And so you kind of expect that from your other partner. So yes. that's a dysfunction too, but it's, it's out on the outside. It's like you have everything you could want, but you don't even have the simple thing of like, just that pure quality time and love that you may need. So. And then if you go even deeper with it, sometimes those aren't even dysfunctions at all. It's just the way that other people live their lives. So like, you know, there might be people where they look for a Birkin bag and you have that explanation of you grew up and this is how people showed love and that's how you were wired. So that's not the typical way that we show love, but if that's your way, you don't, you want to be mindful of not imposing that on your partner, but just finding a partner that speaks your language. Yeah. Yeah. And move forward. For sure. Hmm. Find somebody to speak your language. We ain't got time to be translating out here. I don't need to. Yeah. Just find somebody to speak your language. I don't need no Google translate when we dating. Speak Mm -hmm. my language. There's levels to it. There's levels to it. There's languages and dialects that come with it. And so like, yes, where there is this, there is dysfunction, but in the same sense, like, is there, you know, like no. certain things, yeah, you know, I think we found a happy medium, Victoria. Think about it like this. I think that there is something to actually taking this love language test because then you can find out if, is this this person's wound or is this this person's uh, uh, you know, is it something that's healthy or something that they're trying to mirror? So like if mm-hmm. I grew up with my parents always being there for me and always taking care of me and always like in a healthy parental yeah. relationship, then that's just what I expect. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, that's just standard. That's my that's routine. Basic, that's my programming. That's basic. But if if they expect that because they lacked it and then, then it's a, a need for it. And it's like, Oh, I need it. Not so much of a, of a, this is healthy, but more so this is what I need because I didn't have it. You could discover that too. So I think in a good way, these love languages are, they will help expose what, yeah. Oh, it it'll take you to the why. So the what if the what is words of affirmation, cool. But then when you go deeper with that person and Let's, understand that language, why is that? Bingo. And, mm, bingo. I think the we get, why. That's a happy medium. Because yeah, because there's some people, like you said, that they they've lacked. And so I mean the the classic story that a lot of people can relate to is maybe somebody that grew up in, grew up in a very sheltered household and then they go away to college or they're on their own. And some people sometimes like rebel and they do things pretty extreme where they live, they have behaviors that are like really extra. Right. So yep. they're doing that because and pre- and they preachers don't kids. Fully... <laughs> preachers kids. Listen, 
Listen, I was going to say PKs, but I didn't want to call the PKs out. Elton, Elton called the PKs out, not me. Preacher's kids. Yeah. And they, they do this extreme because they don't even know what they really need or what they're looking for, but they're experimenting and it's to the extreme because their lack was so extreme. Oh, this is, this is a good unpacking. I like that. Yeah. This but then like, if you, if you were raised in a, in a household or a lifestyle with high standards and that was a routine and that's how you're programmed and you have a certain expectation on how you want to be treated because my mommy and daddy love me to an extreme and mm-hmm. that's what you need to bring to the table. That's just a different level and language that a lot of people don't, maybe don't speak. Yeah. And, and I saw, or, or too, like, if you saw how your daddy loved your mama and you're like, that's the, ba- that's the. I'll, I'm not dealing with anything less. Period. 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 And mama, my mama got a Birkin bag every month. Period. <laughs> or <laughs> my daddy just made sure that he was always there for my mama at every dinner, or you know, whatever, whatever it is. It can be beautiful. It can be beautiful mirroring, or it can be mm-hmm. trying to compensate. So. It's a yeah. it's a very it's a very intricate web that we will weave, but I do like the idea that people can use these as a tool to get to know the other person better and dig a little bit deeper. It's a good it's yeah. a good conversation starter. So the suggestion is identify your love language to the best of your ability and then talk with your partner as to what influenced that love language and get an understanding of their upbringing and how they were raised to help better identify that. And if you have a hard time figuring out what it is, go see a therapist (laughs) or understanding why it is what it is. Go see a therapist or talk to your friends that are really in tune with with knowing you or understanding you and, and get some clarity and understanding. I love that so much. I think that's so beautiful. I think that's so perfect. I think that is a happy medium between the way I saw it because I looked at love languages negatively because of my previous relationship. That was my Mm -hmm. trauma because I'm like, oh, it's for people that have traumas, but this perspective has really helped me to flesh out. Like it's, it's just a tool. It could be a really good starting point to understand uh, where you guys can go or what you need to heal within yourself. Mm-hmm. I like this, Victoria. We done cracked the code. <laughs> I know Gary. Gary needs to hit us up. Gary need to holler at these Liberians. No, I think <laughs> this is. I think this is perfect. No, um, no, I think that is a perfect, like, bow to put on the conversation. I think that is beautifully put. I can't say it any mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. So. I am here to say that Victoria finally made me realize that the love languages are a beautiful tool (laughs) as you approach a new relationship and it can help you also get to know yourself even better. Mm -hmm. And your partner. I mean, your partner, of course, but you know, you can even learn something about yourself through these love languages. Mm -hmm. I think that's dope, Victoria. So with that said, I think we can uh, wrap this here thing on up because we'll be talking more and more about so many different topics. 
And um, since we're talking about love, I just want to say I do love you so much. I really appreciate everything you brought into my life in this short time. I I love social media because it brings when you when you're I, I'll say this when you're authentic and when you realize that social media is a tool as well, it can mm-hmm. really connect you to some amazing people. It really can. It really, it really can. I want to like go in on that, but since we're wrapping up and this could be a whole nother topic for another Monday. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just. So I, I, I'll say this in conclusion. I know I wanted to start some, uh, some mental health Mondays journeys and that's something I've, I've been working on. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the, we'll see what the people want. You tell us what you guys want from us and we can have these conversations on a more frequent basis for sure. So with that said, Victoria, thank you so much Love for these you. words of affirmation and this physical touch that you gave me when we were in LA. And uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be looking for a Birkin bag to send you pretty soon. <laughs> I can't wait. You have to show up. You have to show up with the Birkin bag though. <laughs> okay. Or, or a ticket with uh, a ticket in the Birkin bag. Oh, see, now nah, she getting out of hand. Okay. I don't know what wound that is, but. <laughs> a ticket in the Birkin bag so I can come to Bali. I got you, boo. I got you. For quality time. <laughs> I got you. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. And guys, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. Remember to love yourself first and then radiate that love to everybody else you can. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Bye, everyone.